Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. You know, I don't know how you guys uh, feel about the Bible. Uh, I don't know. I know there's some Christians here. You're just like sold out. This is awesome. This is the scriptures, man. This is God's word that I stand on, and I thank God for you. Uh, You might be here today, and maybe you have a different perspective of the Bible. Uh, Maybe you don't realize how awesome it is. You know, one of the things that I want to encourage you in that I remember learning about the Bible is that it is a love letter. It really is a love letter. Have you ever received a love letter? I mean, a good love letter. (laughs) It's really cool, huh? You know, but this is a love letter, not from, you know, that chica, not from that, you know, buff Billy. This is a love letter from God, you guys. It really is. You know, I was really stirred up by that last song that we sang. It really was. How we rely on God's love, how we need God's love through the pain and, you know, to free us from the chains, how we really need to know God's love. And, and that's what the Bible is. It's a love letter. It's an expression of his love. It's the instructions that God gives to us because he loves us, and because he wants to bless our life and to show us who he is and how we are to live this life. And so whatever you do, I know sometimes we go through the Bible, you know, and there are things a little tough to swallow because God is dealing with the areas of our life that need to be surrendered to him. But whatever you do, don't ever forget that the motivation is God's love for you. And today we have a really neat study, really, in that God shares with us again about his spirit, the spirit of God and the children of God. Because look what we read in verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. This morning, we're going to see a few things. We're going to see, number one, confirmation, number two, affirmation, and then number three is destination. You know, when you read the Bible, it's kind of cool, you guys. Uh, You get uh, kind of an idea of our relationship with God. You know, and I encourage you, if you're here today and you're a Christian, to, to know who you are and to enjoy who you are, to be who you are. You know, if you're here today and if you're a Christian, you're a sheep and he's your shepherd. Isn't that cool? You know, I was thinking about that. And I don't know how you guys feel about sheep and shepherd relationships, but You know, we can kind of get a little bit of an understanding with maybe even our dear pets that we have. How many of you here have ever had a pet that you just love? I mean, you really do love. I know I do. I love my dog, Chip. I really do. I love it. Every morning he's there with his tail wagging. He's waiting for me to let him out. He goes and takes care of business. And then he comes back in every single morning. I give him a biscuit and even though I know we can't talk, sometimes I wish we could, I, uh, I talk to him even though he doesn't really answer me back, but I, hey, Chip, how you doing, buddy, you know, and we talk and stuff. I, I can't, I don't know how to explain it unless you've maybe been there. 
I really, I dig on this little dog, man. He is so cool. And in one sense, it's just a little bit of an inkling of how our shepherd is with us as sheep. And that's really cool. But we're not just sheep. Uh, We know that we're more than that. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about another relationship that we have with God. And that is that we are his bride. We are his bride. And if you're here today and you're married, you kind of understand what that means. I mean, we have a relationship with God in which, man, we can share um, in such an intimate way with him. I have my wife, Shelly. We've been married for 17 years now, you know. And even though we've had, uh, you know, our difficulties here and there, I can tell you this, man, that being married to my wife, Shelly, has been such a beautiful experience for me. We get to share life together. And I can begin to understand now my relationship with God. I'm his sheep. He's my shepherd. I'm his bride. He's my bridegroom. And then another one that we're going to look at today is that he is our, our father and we are his children. You know, I talk about my children a lot. You know, my son, Aaron, my daughter, Ariel. And I just can't tell you how much I love them, man. You know, if you're here today and you're a child and you have your parent, maybe they're sitting next to you or maybe they're, you know, somewhere, you got to know, man, how much they love you. And, and at the same time, how much God loves you. I mean, you're not just his chip, little pet dog sheep. That's kind of cool, but it even goes beyond that. You're not just a bride. You are a child of God. And that right there is such a huge blessing in our life. But how do you know whether or not you're a child of God? Well, we'll read the first thing, that word confirmation there in verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Remember earlier in chapter 5, we talked about the fact that if you didn't know the Lord, you're part of the Adams family, right? But now that you know the Lord, you're part of the Father's family. Well, how do I know if I don't know the Lord? Well, he says right there, if you're led by the Spirit of God, then you're a child of God. That's the evidence. That's the confirmation. You can tell, number one, by your walk. One piece of evidence is an examination of your walk. Let me ask you today, is your life led by God? That's the confirmation. The Greek word for led, it means to guide. It means to move. It speaks of forces of influence upon the mind. And so when the Spirit of God is the one guiding a person, when the Spirit of God is the one moving a person, when the Spirit of God is the one influencing your mind to move you in certain directions and to make particular decisions, then and then only do you know That you are a child of God. You know, we see the confirmation there. And there are some of you here who can say, yeah, praise God. Even though I'm not perfect, I'm proper. When I make decisions, I pray about them. I ask the Lord, is this pleasing to you? And I sense his promptings in my heart. And when I make decisions and when I live my life, I try my best to base it on the word of God. And so I I can say humbly today that I am led by the Spirit of God. And so 
You are children of God. And I just pray that that would really sink in, you guys. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. He wants you just to stop and to take a look and to see the love that God has showered upon you. You know, John, earlier in his gospel, he tells us how to become children of God. He says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. And so when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, man, when you believe in him by faith, that he died for you, that you were a sinner and you were sentenced to hell, but you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, at that point, God makes you a child of God. And God says, listen, I want you to know that that right there is an expression of the great love that I have for you. See, that's how you become a child of God. But now Paul here reveals the evidence that one is a child of God. And that is that they are led by the Spirit of God. They are led by the Lord. They have God as their guide. They follow the Father. It's very simple logic, man. Here's the thing. If you really know the Lord, you'll obey him and follow him. And you can see it. You can tell by your walk. You know, it's kind of like today. After the service, you guys, I challenge you. Watch all the little kids that run around the sanctuary, even though they shouldn't be. <laughs> you can probably stop them and pick them up and hold them if you want. But, you know, you'll see all these little kids will kind of come out of the classrooms. And you can look at them and you can wonder, well, whose kid are they? I don't know about that little guy or that little gal. Even though you love them so much, you're wondering, well, who's, whose kid are they? Well, this is how you'll be able to tell. Eventually, they're going to walk out that door, hopefully with the right ones, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're going to walk with their parents. If they don't walk with their parents, you know, you're thinking, oh, it must be them. No, it's not them. They're going to walk with their parents just like you and I. We walk with God. And that shows that we are children of God. And that's all Paul is trying to say right here. It's very simple logic. You can tell by who they follow. You can tell by the way they walk. And that's why even though, you know, 80% of America says they're Christians, we know that they're not. They're not really Christians. How do we know? Because they are not following their father. They are not guided by God. They are not led by the Lord. You know, when we get to heaven one day, you guys, it's going to be interesting. You know, we can, you know, look at this and, you know, some might say, yeah, but I went forward and yeah, but I raised my hand. And, you know, the Lord knows those who are his. We don't know everything. Absolutely. Only the almighty does. But generally speaking, we can say, hey, if you're not following the father, then you are not a child of God. You see, we have confirmation. Number one, by our walk. Number two, by his witness. Look what it says in verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This speaks of the inner witness. And what happens, you guys, is when you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and the Holy Spirit communicates to your spirit that you are a child of God. 
You know, we see the word there in verse 16, the Spirit himself. Notice it says, bears witness. You know, it's almost like they're in the courtroom setting and they're testifying before the judge and the jury. And if I could just say this to you ever so gently, one day you will be in the courtroom setting and you will stand before the judge and the jury, so to speak. And the witness will be called forth. Here we see the spirit himself bears witness With our spirit, it says right there in verse 16, that we are children of God. The confirmation, how can I know that I'm really a child of God? Number one, it's your walk. And number two, it's the witness, the witness of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. We kind of have that, huh? For those of you here who have the spiritual understanding, you can... Kind of tell what I'm talking about, huh? Because you know the Spirit is telling you, man, he's, he's your father. You're his child. He's speaking to you that message. You know, it's kind of interesting, you guys. According to the scriptures, in the court of truth, two witnesses are required. Deuteronomy 17, 6 mentions that. Jesus even said in John chapter 8, verse 17, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. And so what do you need? You need the testimony of the Holy Spirit and you need the testimony of your spirit. There are some of you here today, if you're honest, and there are some, and some don't even have a clue. That's okay. One day God's going to get them. <laughs> but there are some here who, if you're honest, you're, you're not even really sure you're a Christian. You don't have that confirmation inside of you. You look at your walk and it's not right. And you look at the witness inside and there's not really one there. If that's you, man, the Lord is, is tugging at you. He's, he's pulling you because he wants your life. Right here he tells us what the confirmation is all about. Are you really a child of God? If so, you will see it on the outside. If so, you will hear it on the inside. It takes both for confirmation. Just out of curiosity, how many of you here were confirmed in the Catholic Church? Okay, keep your hands raised, okay? How many of those hands that were raised, do you think you were saved when you were confirmed in the Catholic Church? Maybe one, maybe a couple, but out of all of you guys, man, it's crazy, huh? The church, they kind of go through this ceremony of confirmation. And I remember for me, it was in the eighth grade, and they said, okay, Manny, now you're born again. Really? (laughs) Man, I was living a crazy life. I was doing everything I wanted to do. I was going and getting high and drinking and sleeping with other girls and you name it. Man, it was a crazy life. Confirmation from the church. You know, that's not the way it works. Not some ceremony. The way you can know whether or not you're a Christian, the confirmation comes from what the scriptures teach us right here. Number one, your walk. And number two, the witness. And that's what we see here according to the scriptures. We look this morning at confirmation. And and then we look secondly at affirmation. Because look what it says there in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We see now family adoption. And that's this affirmation. 
You know, in going through Romans chapter 8, eventually what Paul is going to move towards is that you guys as Christians, you go through hard times. And I think about all the hard times that some of you go through. Some of you here are, are, are wives, husbands, who your spouse doesn't know the Lord. And that can be very, very difficult. I think of some of you here today, wives, husbands, who your spouse has gone home to be with the Lord. And that can be very difficult. The loss of a loved one can be very difficult. The struggles that you have in your bodies, the struggles that you have financially, uh, just uh, even you know the emotional ups and downs that we have in life, the tragedies in life. You know, we go through a lot. Romans 8 is moving towards that. But before Paul gets there, he wants to emphasize the Spirit of God and he wants to affirm the fact that we are children of God. And it says here in verse 15 that we have been adopted by God. He says right there in verse 15 that the new life, it's a life in the love of the Lord, is not like the law which brought bondage and fear, but we have been adopted into the Father's family. You know, it's so cool to know who you are. You are an adopted child of God. We saw in verse 2 that this is a family of freedom and the reality of redemption has granted us many rights. And John the Beloved tells us that we're children of God by birth. We read that earlier. But Paul here teaches us that we're also children of God by adoption. And so you might wonder, well, wait a minute. If Paul says it's by birth, I mean, John says birth, Paul says adoption, which is it? Well, it's actually both. It's kind of cool, you guys, the way that the New Testament teaches how we're children of God. You have been adopted by God. That's what the Bible teaches you are as Christians. Now, the thing about it, and we need to realize this, is our American attitude towards adoption might be a little less. Like if you went and you adopted a child, let's just say from China or wherever it is, you know, you went and adopted a child, you might somehow think that they're not really your child. They're not as much or somehow less than your biological child. But see, that's why it's important when you study the Bible that you study it in its context and its culture. In the Roman times, if you adopted a child, it was totally different. You know, a lot of times what would happen in the Roman times, it, it, was, it would work like this. Okay, let's just say you have an estate. Let's just say you have a name. You know, you're the Coronia clan, and you've got your home there on whatever it is, Montezuma Way, you know? And I was telling my, my son and daughter about this, so they know. I told them I, I would never do this to you, but this is the way it is in the Roman culture. Let's just say they looked at their children... They're biological children, and they said, you know what? They're not bearing my name right. They're not worthy of the inheritance. You know what the Romans would do? They would go and find someone. Him. I choose him to be my child. And they would adopt him into their family. And this child right here now actually has more rights than their biological children. And they would actually bear the name and they would actually inherit the estate. And that's what God is saying about us, you guys. 
That not only are we born, that's redemption, but we are adopted, that's rights. And now as adopted adult children of God, we can now draw upon that wealth immediately and we can actually inherit his estate and bear his name. As a matter of fact, we read down in verse 17, notice it says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's who we are. We are adopted. We now have rights. We have rights of inheritance, rights of name. That's who we are. And I just really pray that you would know how rich you are. We are joint heirs with Christ. You know, a lot of times what ends up happening is people get caught up in this world, you know, and the things of this world, and they want their big house, and they want their nice cars. You know, they want their Hummers. They want their mansions. They want all that stuff. And you know, I just want to encourage you, don't do that. All that stuff, the Bible says, will burn. But if you focus on the things above, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says it's an inheritance that will never fade away. And here in Romans chapter 8, look what it says in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also, notice, freely give us all things. I don't know exactly how it works, you guys. But I do know this. That Jesus Christ has authority over all. That he has everything. And that we, you as Christians, are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You got to know that. The Bible teaches that over and over and over again. Not only do we inherit the stars and the galaxies, but the Bible says that ear has not seen, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. We don't even know what it is, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We begin to discover them a little bit by the Spirit, but man, there's so much more. This morning, we look at confirmation. How could I know I belong to the Lord? Well, look at your walk. What about the witness? We learn secondly about affirmation, and that is the rights that we have as adopted children. And we see that over and over again throughout the scriptures, but also uh, about the relationship. Because again, look there at verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. It's not just the right of adoption. It's the relationship that we now have with our Heavenly Father. You know, I know for a fact that there are many of you here who did not have that relationship with your Father. Uh, some of you did, and you can understand a little bit about what it's supposed to be. Many of you didn't. And there's that void inside. You kind of don't know what this is all about. But man, when you read the Bible as Christians, you realize you do have a father. You have a heavenly father. Here in the Aramaic, it's the word Abba. In the Greek, it's the word pater. And both are true. It's the relationship that is intimate, intimately established and formally established. You know, when I look at those two names, Abba and Father, it's kind of like one is that intimacy, Daddy, 
Papa. And one is formally my Father. And the Bible says not only do we have him as our Father, but we cry out. We cry out. Abba, Father. And I think that when we look at the context right here, I think a lot of it has to do when we're going through the hard times. And, you know, even later we're going to see when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit groans and makes intercession for us. But, um, you know... You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. And you just cry out to your daddy. That's what my kids do. When they don't know what to do, they don't know how they're going to make it. They have a question in life. Dad, dad, do you think that the Lakers could beat the magic dad? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I found out that Dwight Howard's a Christian, and so it's all over now. No, I'm just joking. I don't know, but... When they go through their hard times in life, man, that they just call out to their father, you know, and, and that's what we do as well. And that's really what we see right here. And looking at this, God is our father. We have this right as adopted children. We have this relationship. And it's so beautiful, you guys. I just pray that you would rest in that and that you would enjoy that. God is your father. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And this is something that the Lord Jesus Christ has established. You know, prior to this, and really in Judaism, if you study the culture, they, wouldn't, they would have thought it was such an insult to address God as, as Father, as Daddy. But Jesus established this for us. And I think that we need to really allow that to sink in. You know, some of you guys here, uh, you have children. Do you remember what it was like the first time your children called you daddy? Do you remember that the first time they called you papa? I pray that you would, man. I remember Steve Kemp, he has a song all about that. He says, the first time you called me daddy, my heart went through the skies. And I was struck by the reality that lay before my eyes. And I think that's the way the Lord is with us. When we look up, we just cry out. And it just blesses his heart. You guys, we are rich. This is a love letter, man. God's trying to tell you, I love you. And you are my adopted child. I have given everything to you. You're my, my little boy. You're my little girl. God wants us to know that. You know, and when you think of the fact that you're children of God, you know, there's a few things I think that come to mind. Number one is that acknowledgement. Just want to acknowledge that to you. Father, you're my father. I think he gets honored with that. Secondly, you're dependent. You're dependent, huh? Aren't our kids dependent on us? How are they going to survive without their mom and dad? How are you going to survive without God? And then number three, they're obedient. You say, better be honest. (laughs) I think it's cool, you guys, in looking at these three things. The confirmation, the affirmation, and then the destination. Because look what we read right here. In verse 17, it says, And if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together 
with him. So where are we going with this, Manny? What's the destination? Well, here's the destination. Number two, suffering. Number one is suffering. Number two is glory. The Lord says right here, your children, your heirs. But there's a couple of things that I need to prepare you for. One is kind of tough and the other is awesome. From our perspective, number one is, is suffering. You know, and we could almost put this back with confirmation. Because if you're really a Christian, you're going to go through hard times. I know we don't like it. There's part of us that just says, God, take it away. Take it away. Please bring it to an end. I want this to be over. And that's when God reminds us, no, the suffering is a sign of sonship. The suffering is a sign of salvation. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You know, and I just really encourage you guys, be so careful with that poisonous gospel that lies to you and tells you that you shouldn't suffer in this life. Be careful of that. The Bible says this, the Bible says we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. The Bible says right here, if indeed we suffer with him. The Bible says in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulation. If Jesus suffered the way he suffered. Why do we think that we're going to be exempt from that? It's part of the package. Suffering is a sign of salvation. And as you go through it, I encourage you to look at it this way. As an honor. As a privilege. To suffer for him. You know, the Jews didn't understand the concept that their savior had to suffer. If you remember the first time around when Jesus died, they were tripping out. They're like, man, I don't get it. He's our savior. Why did he die on the cross? And so they were heading in the wrong direction. In Luke chapter 24, the two apostles, they were on the road to Emmaus. They said, I'm out of here. Here's our savior. He suffered. He died. Doesn't make any sense. Until one day Jesus met him on the road and there he was talking with them. And you know what he told them? He said, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have said. Ought not the Christ ought to have suffered and died? And then beginning in the scriptures there in the book of Moses, the law, the prophets, he just shared with them all the scriptures regarding the sufferings of the Savior. And I think for us, when we go through hard times and we just want to do just want out of it. We need to be careful. That's our destination, you guys. That's our calling in life. I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's not easy. It wasn't easy for Christ when he was nailed to a cross. And he went through things that we will never understand. Just don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't stop coming to church. Continue to follow the Lord. It's all part of the package. It's a sign that you're a son. It's a sign that you are saved. And rejoice in it, the Bible says. 
Because it's a privilege really to suffer for him. That's the destination. Not only that, the suffering, but also the glory. Because it says right there, if indeed we suffer with him, here it is, that we may also be glorified together. And that's our, 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 our ultimate, ultimate destination, you guys. That as we go through the sufferings in this life, and we do not lose heart, and we do not fall away, and we continue to stay steadfast for the Lord, no matter what happens in our life, come hell or high water, we continue to be loyal to the Lord with all our hearts, then one day we will be glorified. You know, when we were saved, we were justified. Now we're being sanctified. One day we will be glorified. And that is when we're home. And that is when we're in his presence. New bodies, totally new time. And it's going to be a blessing. I mean, here we are in life, you guys. If we're lucky, we're going to live 75 years, 80 years. You know, but what's that? To eternity. It's nothing. It's a blink. The Bible says it's like a a vapor. And that's why you have to live your life in light of the Lord's heaven the the light of the lord's return we have the confirmation we have the affirmation we have the destination god teaches us in his word all these beautiful things about life so that we would not lose heart so that we would be encouraged today you guys you know when the lord left his apostles in john chapter 13 through chapter 16 he gave his final words to them And he said to them, in essence, there towards the end, I'm giving you a mission impossible. And so I want you to pray. And I want you to be dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to make it through life. And I want you to know this, you guys, that as Christians, you are hated. You are hated by the world. They don't like the things you stand for. They don't like the fact that you stand for God. You know, I was so blessed to hear Dwight Howard last night. I don't know if you guys saw the game. Anybody see the game? It was so cool, man. Dwight Howard, he's pretty big, man. He's a big buff uh, center for the Orlando Magic. And I remember, and I don't, I got to be real careful here, um, but um, I I was tripping out. I'm like, wow, this guy, he's different than all the other basketball players. One thing I noticed, he doesn't have any tattoos. I noticed that about him. All the other players, they've got tattoos all over the place pretty much. I said, wow, I wonder... I wonder if he's a Christian. I was just curious. Not that if you have a tattoo, you're not a Christian, okay? But I just thought, oh, maybe he's making a stand in this area of his life, a personal conviction. Anyways, after it was all done, he scores 40 points, I think 13 rebounds. He played an amazing game. I'm afraid of this guy uh, for the Lakers. Anyways, um, he just said the first thing in front of all these tens of thousands of fans, in front of who knows how many millions of people, He said, I've got to thank God. I've got to thank God first. Because without him, none of this would be possible. When you take a breath, you should thank God. Because without him, that wouldn't be possible. There's nothing we do in life without God. And I was just so blessed to see this man make a stand. But you know, people hate us because we stand for God. And we stand for righteousness. But what did Jesus say there in John chapter 15? You're going to be hated, but here's my my counsel to you. Abide in me. 
Stay with me. Rest in me. Remain in me. Because you're going to be tempted, man, to go in a different direction. Because you go through hard times. And the devil just says, hey, leave. And God says, no, you stay. You stay. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Don't listen to the lies of society. Don't listen to the lies even of your own body. You stay. You stay with the Lord. And he will do an amazing work. You guys, one day we're going to be home. And we're going to be glorified. You know, this uh, morning, my daughter gave me this bracelet right here. It's kind of cool, huh? It's really cool. It has all these different colors on it. Because I had asked her, she said, hey, Dad, you want me to make you a bracelet? I said, sure. She said, what colors? What are your favorite colors? I said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you do me the gospel colors, you know? That would be really cool. And then I could wear it. And when people make fun of me, what I could do is I could share with them, hey, no, this is the gospel, man. (laughs) And so the black is for sin. You guys remember this, right? The black is for sin. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you have sin in your life. But the red is for Jesus' blood. Jesus died on the cross to wash away your sins. The white is what you can be if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's so cool. The green is then you can grow and be more and more like him. But then the blue, I think this is blue right here is for heaven. And one day, we will be home. Heaven is not just a destination. It's a motivation. Whatever you do, don't believe the silly lie that says there's not a soul inside of you. When you die, you will live on, either in hell or in heaven. The choice is yours. I encourage you guys today to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What I'm going to do today is totally different. I I like to do things different every once in a while because um, I don't know. I'm weird. (laughs) How many of you here like to move your furniture around at home every once in a while? It kind of makes you feel like, oh, I'm walking into a brand new house. This is so cool, even though you're not. What I want you guys to do is something that we did at the seminar yesterday is for the next five, ten minutes, I want you to break up into groups of five small groups. And if you would talk a little bit about the study, maybe something you, you, you know, liked about it or, or even something you didn't like about it. You break up into little groups. You talk about the study the best that you can. If you have a question, raise your hand. One of us will come and we'll Wow, talk with you. Because we don't want just to present the Bible and then, okay, that's it. We want to meditate on these things. We want to learn these things. And we don't want people just to come in here and then to go out there without having talked to anybody. And so we'll do it a little different today. doesn't mean we're going to do it this way all the time. But you know what? Let's fellowship for a few minutes, about five, ten minutes. And... um And let's see what the Lord does, okay? If you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to be as white as snow, raise your hand when we're in the little group. So you talk to somebody and you pray right there to receive Christ. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to spend the last few minutes, Lord, in fellowship, Lord. I pray that as my brothers and sisters here get into little groups and and talk about these things, or or maybe other things that you might lay on their heart, Lord, that you would lead them, that you would bless them. 
Father, that we would know we are here for you. We are here to learn your word. We are here, Lord God. You've given us your Bible, and we want to obey. And so, Lord, be with my brothers and sisters now, Father God. Lead our conversations. Lead our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you-